Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Tara Humphrey. I run an award-winning healthcare consultancy specialising in supporting primary care networks. I'm a facilitator. I am a mum of three. I have an MBA and I would class myself as a bit of an adventurer. And I absolutely love all things business, all things leadership, all things management. So I created this podcast for clinical and non-clinical colleagues working in the field of health and care and for those of you looking to develop your leadership skills. Every week we release an episode which focuses on the hard and soft skills required to lead in this increasingly complex environment as we move to delivering more integrated care. So let's jump into this week's episode. And welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So in this podcast, I am bringing back Jennifer Neff, who is the Managing Director and Co-Founder of Elemental. And joining Jen is Alan Payne, who is the Group Product and Engineering Director of the Access Group, of which Elemental are now part of. So the common theme with a lot of my podcasts is directing listeners to go back and reassess and re-evaluate the problem they are trying to solve. And in the case of Elemental and the Access Group, they are trying to connect care in the community and make the journey as seamless and as frictionless as possible. Over 70 organisations use Elemental, ranging from general practices to primary care networks to integrated care boards to universities to local authorities, and they are growing. And if you are listening to this and you're unsure of what social prescribing is and the benefits that it can bring to a patient, a community, an organisation, this is the podcast for you. Enjoy. So thank you both for joining me on the Business of Healthcare podcast. Would you be able to introduce a little bit about who you are and what you do? And let's start with Jen. Hi, everyone. My name is Jennifer Neff, and I am the co-founder and the managing director of Access Elemental. We set up 10 years ago in a place called Derry in the northwest Ireland, and we're now operating and being used across the whole of the UK England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and we're about to launch in a new country as well, just in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, we provide a social prescribing platform that's emerged and evolved now into an integrated care platform. And I'm looking forward to chatting more about that with you today. Jen, how many organisations use the platform? There are 70 different organisations, everything from ICSs, primary care networks, housing associations, councils, community and voluntary sector organisations, more recently, universities and further higher education colleges and prisons, anywhere that's supporting people, connecting people into their communities to build their connections and improve their quality of life. And can you just talk us through how do people use the platform? There's a statistic that people will be familiar with, and it does change depending on where you are. But they say that over 20% of people that come to see their GP, it's actually not a medical issue, it's a social issue. And by that, I mean, it might be something relating to debt or housing, and it has a negative impact on their health and well-being, and they come to see their, their GP. Until recently, when I say recently, 15 years, there wasn't any really fully funded and consistent approach to being able to resolve those challenges. 
And then social prescribing came along. Social prescribing to many people is just good community development. But what it brought with it was a social prescribing link worker. And when you talk to people in communities, they said, I need more than just 10 minutes of of a GP's time. I'd like to sit down with someone and talk about the challenges I face in the community, why I'm coming to the GP so much and places like that. And I want to be able to try and address this in my own community by connecting into the programs and services like death advice and walking clubs and cooking classes all the great thing that's available. They want to be able to engage in that. They might not necessarily be the most digitally minded. They might never have a Fitbit and downloading apps, but they want a good conversation with someone. And that's why the role of the social prescribing link worker is so important. And Elemental is the system that social prescribing link workers, over 4,000 of them, are using across the country as we speak. Alan, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? I'm Alan Payne. I'm the Group Product and Engineering Director for the Access Group supporting the Health Support and Care Division, which covers everything from local governments. The majority of councils use our software for provisioning and commissioning, social care caseworker software. We have a very big presence in care in the community, so domiciliary care, nursing care, care homes, and we support about 250,000 clinicians using our Rio mental health and community electronic patient record solutions. So I've got about 35 products in the organisation. Elemental is obviously my favourite. And we look after a wide variety of conditions, support tens of thousands of customers that are in our customer base. Jen, when we first met, when you first came on the podcast, Elemental wasn't part of the access group. So what progress have you guys made since our first podcast interview together? Yeah, so it's just coming up to two years now, Tara, which is hard to believe. We were a startup, we were a scale-up, and we were winning contracts. And I always remember every three contracts we won, we would then employ another person. So we had to be really kind of mindful. We had a limited size of a team. We wanted to do everything, but we couldn't because we couldn't afford to have a, a massive team of people and developers and things like that. That was a complete luxury. Since we joined the Access Group two years ago, we now have the full team that we've always wanted. So we have product and developers. So that means we're able to listen more to our customers, listen to the market, listen to the challenges that communities face, and then be able to get ahead by integrating, by developing new functionality and new features so that more people can be able to support more people in the community. And ultimately, it's about improving people's quality of life, which we're able to demonstrate through Elemental. But also it's about reducing demand and pressures on the workforce and NHS and other public sector services. So that's the two main goals. We can do that a lot better now as being part of the access group. We don't have to worry about running out of money as you do when you're a startup or a scale up. We don't have to worry about recruiting the right people. We're attracting really good talent and we're able to do really transformational stuff with our customers. So a lot of our customers or even regions will come to us and they say, right, we use this system, we use that system. We've got a really high problem here with these particular issues and there's not enough services in this particular community. And we'll sit down together and that's the bit I love the most. And that's why we started Elemental, Leanne and I. But we're getting to do that now again, which is brilliant. And it's that co-design that people talk about in co-production. It's sitting down together and looking at, right, what resources have you got available? Okay, what's the main challenges and how can we work this out together? And we tap into all the main kind of representative groups and all the main stakeholders. We love working with people who aren't afraid just to try things out and then mainstream things. So it's a great space to be in. Who courted who? Did they approach you or did you approach them? It wasn't direct, first of all. It was Servalec. So many people will have heard of the Servalec company. 
And we were a partner of theirs. They have a system called Rio, which is used for mental health and Mosaic, which is used for local gov for social care teams. And we had a long standing arrangement that we were going to be partners. And during that partnership, they said, well, look, do you like to maybe talk about making it a little bit more formal? And it's somewhere where Leanne and I always wanted to go with social prescribing because we knew, yes, social prescribing is amazing in primary care and it's amazing in the community and voluntary sector. But what happens actually if you be able to look at the mental health liaison teams? And we knew that they were spending a lot of time on helping patients with their social issues. What happens if we bring social prescribing in there? Equally, discharging people from hospital, what would social prescribing look like for them? And then maybe social care teams as well and housing. So it was looking at the suite of products that Servalec had was really the interest for us and doing that integration so that we know that people don't want to leave their native systems. They want to be able to stay within their native system, but be able to avail of all the other great rich technology that might be available in another platform. So that's how it started. And then three weeks later, Servalec was acquired by the Access Group. It was the first time that we'd obviously been through an acquisition. And then three weeks later, we had to go through it all over again. It's been a long journey and it was a lot bigger, I suppose, than we thought it was going to be. But when we look now at the benefits of being part of the Access Group, it far outstrips. As much as we love the Servalec guys, they're in with us as well, but it far outstrips what we ever imagined that we could do. And that's why I'm so excited about the work that Alan's leading on and the fact that he does love Elemental and he sees Elemental as a big component part of the integrated care that we can provide. Alan, can I ask, what is the mission for the Access Group? Well, the mission is to bring together those three domains we just discussed, so local authority, their interaction with care in the community and with the healthcare systems. So the idea is, is instead of thinking them all in silos, as has historically been done pretty much in every country, bar a few, and we want to rotate that 90 degrees. So we want care to be the best possible around the individual, wherever they may be, in the community, in hospital or at home, being looked after by whatever profession is necessary. So our mission statement fundamentally is to remove friction from the healthcare and care process. What are the initial steps to removing that friction? What is your approach? First off, you start with what is the patient need? And the patient need is not around just the clinical care. That's obviously incredibly important. But it's also about the quality of care they receive when they're in the community, when they're in their own home, through domiciliary care, through nursing care, which is you know, obviously can be quite intense, and care home. What is the life record associated with that person? What is about them as a person? And it's not necessarily considered as part of the healthcare domain. That's about getting you well, getting you fit. What we want to do is make sure that care is taken over as a qualitative aspect as well. And then in the social care setting, that you're taking note of the social determinants associated with that care as well. The combination of all three, if you think about following the care continuum, you're rotating the conversation. So instead of it being around, this is what I have to do in my silo, it's about what am I doing in my silo in context to the other pieces that will have an impact on the determination of what you are going to say about their care. Hi everyone, this podcast is brought to you in partnership with Best Practice, where we will be interviewing some of the speakers and sponsors attending the event in Birmingham on the 11th and 12th of October. If you are already registered to attend, do let us know as we would love to meet you. And if you are still to register your place, please click on the link in the show notes. Now, let's jump back into this week's episode. There can often be, and not through any malice, the perception of them and us so you guys what you do at elemental you're different from us you're not maybe in general practice how do you get around that how do you start to create that common language so it is just us and we see life sometimes slightly differently so for a start we don't see any difference of them and us the patient which is at the heart of everything we do 
It is about where they sit in a pathway. Now, the pathway can be a clinical one, it could be a care one, it could be an administrative one, it could be an operational one, but it's always about where you are in that process. And if you understand that, you can start to remove a couple of things. One is you end up with a cultural thinking around following that patient wherever they are. And then secondly, you end up with a better outcome for the patient because you can understand the difficulties associated with what happens on the left and right of what you do. So if you think about pathways, clinical pathways are very, if you'll forgive the pun, prescriptive, and they have to be because they follow a best practice gold standard guideline. NICE have got those tremendous detail and, and they're brilliant. They don't follow you into the community. They don't follow you into the social care setting and vice versa. So that is what we're trying to do is we, we co-mingle our teams. We've got one integrated care team that looks across all of these areas. And we take our insight from the huge amount of data that we have on those individual platforms operating, talking to the subject matter experts, which are happen to be in their domain, but we bring them together with domain experts in other areas. So we can now have an open dialogue so you now understand better. Quite frankly, the key for understanding and unlocking friction is to talk, to make sure you understand, to break down the us and them barriers. Jennifer's word is a classic example. Her team, whilst directly in the care team, Jen is incredibly good at working with all of the other groups that we have so that we know what care in the community looks like from a social prescribing perspective. And we can pass that left and right of the equation. Jen, what's your take? Coming from the community development sector that Leanne and I came from, the the other Elemental co-founder, it's just naturally we always see it as us. And I think social prescribing, when you look at the outcomes and the outputs and impacts of social prescribing, it's always an us conversation because it's not just the social prescribing link worker. It's all the hundreds of organizations that refer in to social prescribing. And then it's not just the social prescribing link worker because then there's also the community and voluntary sector and there's hundreds and thousands of community and voluntary sector organizations that provide really, really important and much needed support out there. And the actual patient or citizen involvement in all of that is a voice that's really well heard too as well, because it's often directed a lot from the community in terms of, right, I need support. Where can I get it from? Or this isn't working for me. What else is out there? But also you're not relying just on the citizen having that voice either. You are relying on people that are close to communities like social workers and community pharmacists or even barbers in some situations where they're cutting someone's hair and they're having a chat with someone and they say, well, you know, I think you'd be interested in this local social prescribing service and they can make a referral in. It's a conversation that's continuously evolving as well. And it ebbs and flows in different directions based on the community need. So I think just the very nature of social prescribing, where I see it working really, really well, it's a combined us conversation. So what connects us is our connection to primary care networks. And there are still many primary care networks that don't quite understand the value that a social prescribing link worker or social prescribing can generate. What would you say to those people? I suppose it would be, first of all, thinking about you really have to understand the challenges that people face before you can really understand the value of social prescribing. I remember one time speaking to a GP and he said, oh, well, I don't agree with it. And I was like, you don't agree with it? I said, so if someone comes in and they have a debt issue and they come into your practice, what do you do? And he said, I would just hand them a card or a service. And I said, well, how's that going? I bet you're seeing that person quite often. So I think when you truly understand that people are living really complex lives, especially now more than ever, and there are local solutions that are available, but not everyone knows about them. Not everyone understands how they work. Not everyone has the confidence to attend and engage in a local service like debt advice or housing support. And sometimes that person, that social prescribing link worker is the main connection that someone has in their local community. 
I could write a book on the number of scenarios and stories that I've heard where people have been on their knees and because of the social prescribing link worker having the time to listen to them, knowing what's available locally and often going along to things with them, but really showing them, look at the difference now it's making now that you're engaging in this particular walking club or this diet nutrition class. So social prescribing link workers are very much, it's very important that you connect in with your local community and voluntary sector. Sometimes people think, oh, I'll just bring in a social prescribing link worker and they can just solve everything themselves. They can't. They have to have that connection with the community and voluntary sector and they have to have the ability to be able to feed information back to the people that made the original referrals as well. Communication is really important. And I think what COVID proved was spreadsheets and files and paper just really, it's not fair on the social prescribing link workers and their colleagues if you're relying on systems like that because they have so much to do, so much admin that they need something that they can just key the information into and receive their referrals electronically instead of paper and emails and letters. And then they need to be able to report at a touch of a button to be able to say, yes, that person, I have contacted them three times. Could you check again and see if that number is right? Rather than someone saying, look, I've talked to this patient and they said they, they haven't heard from you. So there's great accountability that comes in empowerment as well. But they also need good escalation pathways too, because they can't do everything and they need to be able to offer a seamless service by maybe referring into a complementary agency that supports, for example, more complex mental health needs. So you really need to get the infrastructure right. And I suppose that's the bit that drives me every day. Get that infrastructure right for social prescribing to grow and evolve. And the difference it'll make is just out of this world. So Alan, since Elemental have become part of the Access Group, what achievements, key milestones have you guys reached together? Quite a few. We've spent the last year or so fully integrating Elemental, not just into our mental health products, like Rio EPR, for example, but also into the social care products, which is Mosaic. We've also done a lot of work on integration to third-party systems, so into other GB systems. I think we've done two, possibly three already. We're looking at extending that out into Scotland as well. So the whole purpose of us doing this is to make it easier for people to prescribe directly from their own system. As Jen said, our users of our products that look after patients and service users, they don't like going out of their own system and it adds friction if you have to do that. If you can make a social prescription from directly within the product, then they're not having to go out with a different login or it just adds friction to the process. And then if you can build in recommendations to that, so instead of prescribing drugs, you could prescribe social activity. Everyone's a winner, patient particularly, but also GPs because they're creating social interaction without having to prescribe drugs or other even more intrusive treatment. So it's really been about integration to our own toolkits and really, quite frankly, extending the use and the visibility of Elemental as wide as we possibly can. The care in the community is another big area for us as well. And given that we did over 200 million service user hours of treatment last year just in the care in the community, I mean, that's a lot of activity. And again, so we know a lot about the care of the individual, and that's what we're very passionate about. So it's really about extending the visibility of elemental as wide as it possibly can be. And how are you doing that? So integration, communication, so in the release notes, it's very clear that our users can now go in. And it's something that they've actually been asking for. You mentioned you've got overseas 35 products. Yes. So how do you split your time? What did last week look like? So I think my focus isn't necessarily on just one product. So what we're doing is we're now creating this, or we are, have created this horizontal view. And this is what we're calling the Access Integrated Care Platform. Elemental is a core component of that. But instead of it being individual sale of a product and then working with a group to implement it or extending their use through new functional releases, 
we're actually showing how they can look left and right of what they do. So they can actually see and have something given to them that makes their insight much easier to understand for the impact of what's happened to that patient in a different environment. So we're exposing more information up into this integrated care platform, which is aimed at the ICBs because we see that as being the better level. And it's quite frankly, if you read the Hewitt report, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to bring together those three domains of local government, care and community and healthcare that have never been driven together before. So we're trying to extend the thinking up to following the patient, no matter where they are, with a combined pathway in a set of common standards, which you referred to earlier, which we're using HL7 for. So, Jen, who is your customer? Is it the ICB or do you want individual primary care networks? It's a combination. It can be individual primary care networks. We might have an individual primary care network that has maybe a social prescribing link worker and they partnered with a local community and voluntary sector or they might have the in-house link worker. They might have a health coach and they might also have a care coordinator and they might be getting one of the new mental health practitioner roles. And they might say, well, look, we know we want to be able to take full advantage of the great investment that's been made here in our communities. We want to be able to connect in with our clinical system. We know our clinical system can only do so much, but we really want to extend the support that we can provide for our patients out into the community and voluntary sector. They would commission Elemental to be used as the digital platform. They can report back to the NHS on their PCN outcomes. They can report up to the ICB on the difference that they're making. And the community and voluntary sector then can get some really, really good data to be able to apply for future funded applications and say, this is the difference that our service makes. We would like to apply for more funding to be able to still be here and provide our great service to more people. We also have housing associations. They'll use it to try and for better, happier customers and tenants who pay their rent and live happily in their accommodation. In universities and further in higher education colleges, what they're trying to do is it's like an early flagging system for them to be able to tackle dropouts of university. So student welfare is really important to them and they would use Elemental to be able to tackle that. And then the ICB itself. They'll say, look, okay, we have maybe 50 PCNs. We've got five community involuntary services that deliver social prescribing. There's no consistency. We're not getting the data that we need. We can't prove the effectiveness of this service that we're providing. We need a digital platform like Elemental to be able to do that and join all our services up. And then, you know, we want to bring in our mental health foundation trusts, our local councils. And then that's where you start getting that integrated care platform that we're a big part of. The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you proudly in partnership with 10,000 donors and their Gob for Good campaign. Gob for Good is all about getting as many people as possible to join the stem cell registry. Only 3% of the UK are registered to be stem cell donors and only 0.4% of the global population. If you or a loved one have the devastating news that you have been diagnosed with a blood cancer, the chances of you finding your blood stem cell match is significantly reduced if you have a minority ethnic heritage. It is really, really simple. All you need to do is click into the show notes or visit the Gob for Good website at gobforgood.com and get yourself signed up to the registry. You could one day receive that life-saving call or one day you may need that life-saving call. Now, let's jump back into this week's episode. So now you're part of the access group. What lessons have you learned about yourself in the last couple of years? Because it's a change, it's progress, it's different. 
Leanne and I always knew that we could take it so far. We knew that we could do loads and we were like fearless and there was nothing getting in our way, as you know, Tara. We also knew we were kind of aware of our limitations too in terms of, right, what do we need to be able to take this where it needs to go even further? So we learned the importance of, we always knew about partnership, but we learned the importance of the whole integration side of things. And I know Alan's talked to that. We wanted to understand more about the technology that was sat behind some of the other big systems. So we wanted to be able to, that integration, you need really good tech backgrounds to be able to understand all those codes and the flow of the data and the governance side of things. So we've learned a lot more about governance as well. We just completed an assurance assessment there for a large ACS. And I said to Leanne, I don't know if we would have passed that if it had been just elemental over two years ago, but we did pass it because we're now part of the access group and we've got our ISO and all those other really important aspects. So we've learned the importance of that. We've learned the importance of working with other technologies. There's lots of different solutions out there and there's lots of different people providing apps and there's people providing full-blown case management systems and the importance of sitting down together and really focusing in on the challenge. Some people focus too much on the tech and just say, we want to integrate these systems, but why? What is the challenge? What's the difference that you're going to see as a result of that? So we've learned more about that as well, really focusing on where's the bottleneck, where's the demand, where's the biggest costs, and then being honest with ourselves to say, well, can we do this alone? And if we can't, who else do we need to be speaking to? And doing that in a way that's safe and assured and does what it's supposed to do and it's effective and it benefits the people that are using it. Do you find it hard to sell into the NHS? I did at the start. I've listened to podcasts of yours. Everyone kind of thinks when they come up with the idea that the NHS is going to buy it. And it's like, oh, yeah, the NHS will buy it. And then you quickly realize it's not going to be directly to the NHS. And you have to go around and knock all of these doors. And literally, we knocked a lot of doors and we did a lot of traveling from Derry all over the place and planes and trains and buses to get around as many places as possible. That was hard in in the early days, but now I think everyone has realized coming from COVID, you really have to prove the impact and the, the effectiveness of anything that you're procuring. And I think that's making it easier because people are scrambling around looking for data now and saying, we funded this. We don't actually have any data that's come out of it. You know, we need something. So I think people are realizing that you can't just have a glossy report that says everything went well. There has to be hard evidence to back this up. And that's the space we're in now. We're all about the evidence. So we're both going to be at best practice. Why does an organization like yours, you're big, you've got the investment, you've got a fantastic track record. Why would you invest time in going to a conference like best practice? We are social people, as you as you know, and we always have been. And nothing beats going along to a conference like Best Practice. You know who you're going to see there. And then you'll meet people that you might not necessarily have thought you were going to meet. You're going to hear from people talking on the stage, but you're also going to be able to get a chance to go up and have a chat with them afterwards. And you can ask questions at Best Practice. You can put your hand up and ask the awkward questions and find out the answers from the people that are presenting. Also for us, the the National Association of Link Workers always has a program within Best Practice. So social prescribing is a core part of it. And I think that's one of the key things for me, that there will be that family of that network of social prescribing will all be there. And it's their go-to place to get together, to network, to talk about what's going really well to talk about where the challenges are. And that's the space I like to be in. Where do we need to go? 
how far have we come? But what's next on the horizon for this? Because so much money and time and effort's been invested in social prescribing. We see the evidence out there. We're hearing the difference it's making to not only the patient and the citizen, but the community and also the health and social care sector. So we just have to invest time and effort, R&D, all of that, and to make sure that we're looking at the unmet need and what needs to be done about it. Alan, what is next on the horizon for you guys? A lot of our focus is on, again, supporting Elemental with its product approach, but also to link it into the integrated care platform is the one thing which binds together this new way of delivering care centred around the patient, no matter what part of the pathway you're in. And pathway is not just care, it's the whole thing. Even staying healthy, that's a space where we want to be in because the further to the left, we can engage you in a digital setting and reduce the escalation required as you go up the care continuum until you get to secondary. Engagement of the primary care is pivotal in this. We actually see one of the biggest opportunities is around prevention. The area of care that is the fulcrum between social care and healthcare is really powerful from a step-down perspective, things like virtual wards, but also from a step-up perspective where you can actually do avoidance of movement into very, very costly £1,200 a day environments where people prefer to be at home or be treated at home. And the more you can do that from a secondary care perspective for the virtual ward concept, but also from hospital at home, where that care is under the treatment and under the orchestration of the GP, we see that as being a phenomenal opportunity to look after people at a place they're going to be happier. And we know there's plenty of evidence about people getting better, faster and happier at home. So Alan, when you're not at work, what makes you happy? I love to cook. I've got a, a long track record of making indifferent food, but I do love trying to construct different things. So that's probably one of my biggest escape areas. And I love scuba diving as well. I'm a huge scuba diver uh, instructor, and I like to go out and uh, still do a bit of training and helping the community. And I do a lot of mentoring as well for various uh, individuals, both in the company and outside. So I'm of an age now where giving back is probably more important to me. <laughs> It's interesting you say you're of an age. I would say I don't think it's an age thing because it's interesting we talk about social prescribing and to a degree I'm on the other side of it. So I've recently signed up to be a food friend. So I skipped that bit. I didn't go to the GP. Somebody mentioned I'm a food friend. My understanding is they are on the elemental platform in East Kent. So I prepare a meal and all the family get involved. We're like, what are we going to cook for Joan this week? And then we'll send it around. So I don't yeah. know if it's an age. Well, if you're at that age, then I'm at that age where you think it would be nice to do something that's not work related. It's interesting. I think I probably get more from it than Joan. Joan gets her meal, but it I agree. Yeah. creates a nice buzz. And like on a Thursday, everybody gets involved and have to plan my day around it. So I get more from it than probably she does. It's a win-win. Yeah. And Jen, I always try to ask people about how they manage their health and well-being because yeah. work is really busy. I naturally attract people that we're all workaholics. We all love it. But every now and again, it gets too much. So what are you doing to manage your health and well-being? I've seen a big difference, Tara, since I last spoke to you. I was really, really stressed. And I was thinking about it recently. And, I, and I'm not as stressed as what I was before. And I asked myself why. And there's a couple of things. I think it's definitely been part of a wider organization and not having to carry the load as much yourself. Because it was like Leanne and I were just so stressed out to the point that even we were starting to kill each other and bickering um, <laughs> at one point. But we have such a great relationship and it's definitely now because we have a great team around us and we don't feel it's just up to us anymore. 
I'm going to the gym more. So you'll be pleased to hear. I did a thing called the sweat games <laughs> in my gym. And it was five times a week for six weeks. And I never thought I could do that before. And I'm lifting heavier weights that I never thought I could do. I just thought to myself, I'm going to start putting myself first here. And I've seen a really big difference there. I'm also getting out and about in the water, the cold water dipping. I'm doing that on a regular basis. It's literally on my doorstep. I think I found the balance between work and my personal life. And I do think there's a part of that that comes with the move into the access group. They very much promote it. Like I was out volunteering this morning. You get some time off to volunteer. And I was out on a summer camp there with some kids with Down syndrome. And they very much say, don't be burning yourself out. Just make sure you're looking after yourself. And there's lots of great support. So I'm in a good place, thankfully, compared to where I was (laughs) two years ago. If people want to find out more about Elemental, where should we send them? Come through to the Access Group, Social Prescribing, the website we're on social as well. You can look for me actually on at Jen underscore Elemental and then Jennifer Neff on LinkedIn. And I can direct people through to the relevant people within the team. So yeah, I'd love to hear from people directly. But yeah, there's lots of great stuff on the website, but nothing beats reaching out on social and sending me a DM. Love to hear more about what people are doing and having a chat. Well, I will see you in October. See you then. Thank you. See you later. All right. Thank you. Thank you. so much for joining us if you like what you hear i would absolutely love it if you left us an itunes rating and five star review i know many of you give us a shout out on social media which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast so please come and find us on twitter at thc primary care on instagram and on linkedin just look for tara humphrey and if you're not subscribed to our newsletter please do you get to hear more insights more confessions some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week. So click on join the newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode.